those small incremental gains, especially being in a learning mindset of just trying to get better, figuring out how to improve, those small incremental gains stack up to staggering results over time. And I think when, when I think about that question of what makes a high performer, that willingness and that desire to keep coming back, no matter how great or bad the prior day was, and just focus and prioritize just getting better. What did I learn from it? How can I apply that? How can I recalibrate and then keep after it to keep generating better and better results to find the best version of themselves? That's how I really think about what makes up a high performer. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Inspired, the podcast where we dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and innovators who are changing the game in their respective industries. Before we dive into it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and follow us on Spotify so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes and content coming your way. We have another fantastic guest that we can welcome to today's episode. I'm super excited about this one. A robust background and a space that I'm extremely passionate about, as you know, mindset, leadership development, and just being the best version of yourself. So pleased and humbled to welcome Mr. Aaron Trahan to the show. How are you today, sir? What's up, Jonathan? Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, man. Well, you got to give credit where it's due, you know? So I want to introduce the audience to you right away. Why don't you tell yeah. us a bit about what you're up to? Yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, to, to make it all make sense, a bit of a 30,000-foot view of the origin story, you know, I, I, I have a background really spanning over the past 15, 16 years as a senior-level executive leader uh, where I ran large teams that were, that were responsible for operations, go-to-market strategy, uh, overall overarching strategy, performance management. And one of the things that I kept coming back to was as my career progressed, I kept wanting to work more closely with high performers, work with the people element of the business. And as my career progressed, it became clearer and clearer to me that it's all about people. And so if you can get the right people in the right place with the right support and environment behind them, magic can happen. Uh, so last year was an opportunity that I took advantage of to really take this after hour side project. And, you know, I was mentoring up to 10 different people as a part of a couple of startup accelerators, working with new entrepreneurs and founders. And it just got to a point where the gravitational pull was too strong. I knew that this is where I wanted to allocate 100% of my time and energy and then jumped in launched a performance coaching firm specializing in leadership and executive performance uh, and haven't looked back. So now I get to do that on a full-time basis. I feel like I'm operating on mission uh, and feel like I'm able to have a bigger impact uh, in my day-to-day than I ever have before. So it's been, it's been very rewarding. What makes for a top performer in your experience? I think it's, it's really one that is able to continue to focus on continuous improvement. And I think that's, that's kind of a big highlighting thing that I really love to see and manifest in individuals is just that passion, that willingness, that desire to not rest on prior accomplishments or prior achievements. And they're not leaning kind of on what their resume says. They're not trying to be the smartest ones in the room. It's those individuals that prioritize continuous improvement, kind of realizing that if they can keep showing up, be relentlessly consistent to get 1% better each day, those small incremental gains, especially being in a learning mindset of just trying to get better, figuring out how to improve, those small incremental gains stack up to staggering results over time. And I think when, when I think about that question of what makes a high performer, it's really that. It's really that, that willingness and that desire to keep coming back, no matter how great or bad the prior day was, and just focus and prioritize just getting better. What did I learn from it? How can I apply that? How can I recalibrate and then keep after it to keep generating better and better results to find the best version of themselves? 
that's how I really think about what makes up a high performer. When you're going about your practice and curating these questions and identifying what exactly the individual has to work on, say a client comes to you, what are the first three things that you do? I think for me, it really starts with awareness. I think with my mythology and that, that becomes kind of the foundational structure is we really spend some time on awareness, just, you know, the, the, the things that you may understand at some point, but it's really gaining those pieces of inventory that we can get in the middle of the table to really build that strong foundation. I'm a big fan that you simply can't improve or enhance anything you're not aware of. So where it always must start is, do we have an accurate painting of what the current state looks like? The good, the bad, the ugly. So really taking a step back and, and thinking about what does my next level look like? Where do I want to go? Why is it important for me to go there? You know, where do I do my best today? What situations bring out the best in me? What situations bring out the worst of me? Uh, where are my superpowers? How do I utilize them? And more importantly, what are the top needle moving development areas? I think all of those kind of encompass really getting a great understanding of the current state because, you know, I, I'm, I like to break things down to their most simplest form. And I think all of us as humans are all, we're all looking to some degree on how to go from the current state to our ideal state. Kind of the, if that's the two islands that we're always looking uh, at is where we currently are versus where we want to go. This is kind of the process to build that bridge, build that pathway to get from current to ideal. So before we can even understand how to build or what that pathway on those two GPS data points look like, if we don't have a good understanding of where we're currently at, where we're starting from, we'll never build the right plan, strategy, or pathway to get to the ideal state. So I'm just a firm believer that building a strong foundation of awareness before clarity can come, before the milestones and goals can come, is the, the absolute strongest place to start. And from there, you've got a solid foundation to stack a lot of things on top of as compared to awareness being a weak foundation, you're at risk of building a house of cards. Uh, so yeah, getting really, really in tune with current state is where I always, always start. It's such a valid point where awareness in general, I think is just underrated. I think there's a lot of wishy-washy kind of feel-good vibes out there that on this podcast, you know, we try to eliminate and we mm -hmm. try to give a bit more vitality to in the form of recognizing if you understand your triggers, if you recognize what it is that makes you want to accelerate, decelerate, you can actually take steps to become that ultimate version. But I think also what gets lost is we often hear, best version of yourself, best version of yourself. When I was building out, you know, the future me, I always had a vision in my mind of what that person looked like, how he ate, how he trained, how he behaved, how he responded when he was angry, when he was upset. Those are elements where for me, the number one aspect is about controlling my emotion. So say that the individual ends up establishing a very robust foundation in terms of awareness. What are the next steps that you would take? I think the very next step is once you've got that introspective awareness, as you start to look out and you start to say, what does the path look like? What is that? If I'm looking at a GPS screen taking me from, you know, my current place to the destination I want to go to, where is that path going to take me? And I think that's where clarity comes in. And you simply can't have clarity looking out into the future if you're confused around where your current state is. You've got poor levels of, of awareness because if you're lying to yourself about current state or tricking yourself, probably a better way to say it, that ideal state's going to look really weird. Uh, and so the clarity tool that I love to 
you know, have all my clients work on and think through is really a simple three-step process that I think in, in just really encapsulates so much. And one, I think you kind of mentioned it, is you kind of think about your best version. I think that's kind of where we start. And so it's just a simple question with so much meaning, and that is, how am I defining success for myself? Not enough people really go through and peel the layers back, not around what their success means to their social networks, or their Instagram feed, like move all of that to the side. How are you defining success for yourself? The second part of that then becomes, how are you defining happiness? What does happiness look like for you? And I think those are the two pillars that always need to be held up straight to then be able to answer the third one. And based on the response of those two questions, how am I defining success and what does happiness look like? Do those two things align or do they conflict with each other? And I think if you don't go through the super important clarity thought work, I can't tell you, I can, I continue to be surprised by it of how many people when they really dig in and, and start to get some firm answers around those questions, how they take a step back and realize that how they were thinking about those two things at a high level completely contradict with each other. And that's where you see so many examples of people who may have had a goal, whether it being around financial or a title, whatever it is. And once they get there, there's almost this sense of sense of emptiness or kind of a, of regret of then realizing how much they had to sacrifice and give up to get there, only to realize once they're there that it wasn't all that worth it. They gave up too much. The, the bill that came due was way too expensive. Um, and it's because they didn't have good clarity on those two things and making sure that they aligned with one another. Um, and so that's how I think about that very next step being clarity of just getting very clear on how you're defining success and how you're defining happiness and not doing things that drives a tremendous gap in between those two things where it's impossible for you to have, you know, both at the same time. That's always where a lack of awareness and a lack of clarity drive people to, um, you know, chasing after the wrong things, you know, chasing after things they don't need, which they then find out they'll never get enough of. Uh, so having that clarity is the single best way to ensure that what you're going after and why you're going after it is meaningful to you, both from a success and happiness standpoint. I love the way that you broke that down. Clarity in the form of recognizing does your vision of success align with your vision? And do they conflict? I always talk about how the better the question, the better the answer. Mm -hmm. And I make it a firm practice to ask the best possible questions that I can. But the structure of how I ask a question, if you've noticed, is about establishing a base, a background, who is this person, and then getting into what they do, their skills, and then their assessment, their methodology. So when I parse out where we're at, in the structure of your methodology, mm. you've established that the individual needs to generate awareness. And then once they have that awareness, it's about seeking clarity. And that clarity comes in the form of recognizing, am I happy? What does a happy version of me look like? Am I successful? What does a successful version of me look like? And then in terms of whether or not they conflict, does success and happiness align in order to seek that next level, which could you help walk us through? Yeah, I think once once we're clear on those first two steps, we've generated a strong sense of awareness. We, you know, we have that understanding of the things we want to improve. We have that understanding of development areas that we either need to strengthen and, you know, really account for. We've got the clarity of why we're going after what we're going after. Now it's time we start kind of moving into the the phase of execution. And this is where we really start thinking about milestones and goals. And the reason that I talk about that separately is because goal setting and the structure at which you set goals is so foundational. I mean, so many people set goals the wrong way that it almost kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy 
for them to not achieve the goal. And so just as important as the goal is, it needs to kind of be that North Star, that gravitational pull, the thing that brings that clarity all together, kind of what that looks like from a destination standpoint, just like we had to have that honest assessment of what the current state is. When you move into milestones and goals, that's where you start painting that picture of what ideal state looks like, you know, by when. What does it look like? What are you doing? What's your average day? Just really making sure that you, you gain that honest, clear, accurate picture of ideal state and what needs to be true to get there. So once that's set, it, it's set, right? Like you set it there and you don't fixate on the goal. And this is where so many people get trapped, trapped and tripped up is they keep their focus on the end goal. And while the end goal is important, the focus needs to then shift directly to the milestones. What needs to be true by when to be on track towards the goal? So it's no different than a lot of businesses talk about OKRs. The, you know, the objective is out there, but the key results are what really matter. It's are you on track? And so I like to use all kinds of different goal setting framework, like the one thing that was made famous by Gary Keller in the, in the famous book. And you know, if you've got a goal that's sitting out there to be achieved over the next 12 months, that's great. But the focus needs to be on the supporting milestones and near-term targets. And a simple way to do that is if you have a destination that you want to get to by you know, the next 12 months, what's the one thing that must absolutely be true and be achieved within the next six months for you to be on track? And you can work backwards from there. What's the one thing that's more important than anything else that must be achieved in the next three months for you to be on track in six months for you to be you know, on pace to achieve that 12-month goal? You can rewind that all the way back to what's the most important thing that I prioritize this week to be on track this month, to be on track for the quarter, and so on and so forth. Um, so I love the combination of putting in the supporting milestones is where the focus is going to be because the goal is just the output. The milestones and the things you're focused on on a day-in, day-out, week-in, week-out basis, those are the things. Those are the inputs that aggregated together. And if you stay on track with those, it's going to spit you out to the right output. Um, but yeah, and so I think it's just making sure that as we build that path to take us from current state to ideal state, you know what each one of the stops looks like. You know when you want to hit each one of those stops. And it just keeps it keeps everything on pace and on track to be achieved versus implementing a lot of wish, hope, and luck uh, to get to some big North Star goal. I'm so happy that you mentioned the one thing. I believe it was two guys, Jay Papasan and Gary Keller. I think they're real estate guys. Yep. And yep. they reverse engineer that entire frame and you summarize it so effectively. It's an awesome goal setting framework. And I love how you articulated goals versus milestones. That perspective was really beneficial for me and how I started to get a lot of what I've accomplished done because I stopped tethering myself to the end result. And I've talked about it before on this podcast. Mm -hmm. where um, there's this pyramid in fitness in terms of, you know, how, what is the structure of fitness you have at the bottom of the pyramid, the law of body basics. And then on top of that, you have progressive overload. And then on top of that, you have the law of more, pardon me, the law of specific skill. On top of that, you have the law of recovery. And then on top of that, you have the law of more, which you just continue to iterate on all of the basics, right? Where if you know how to do a squat, then eventually know how to do a strength-based squat, and then from there, you know how to do plyometric-based squats, and then you could start to learn specific skills like kip-ups, and then continue to iterate and develop more skills. And at the top of the pyramid, there's no peak. And this framework was developed by, we'll call him a stoic athletic philosopher, Ross Edgley, savage human. Mm -hmm. And at the top of the pyramid, there's no peak. Why? Because fitness is a journey that everyone should start and no one should finish. So infinite goal. Exactly. So yeah, I love how you talked about 
that parallel in the form of setting that one thing, but also recognizing that infinite goal. But also we can get to a place where we have too much clarity and we can be paralyzed by that clarity. What do you think some of the steps we can do or we can, what are some of the steps that we can take in a situation where we're paralyzed by that clarity in order to make progress? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of, of emotions and feelings that come up along the journey, right? To, you know, it, it, we're talking about this in very simplistic terms, going from your current state to your ideal state. Yeah, you can even map it out, draw it out on paper. It looks simple enough, but, you know, leaving the comfort zone and going into the growth zone, let's face it, it sucks. It doesn't feel good. It's not comfortable. It's not meant to feel comfortable. It, you're being stretched and challenged, and that's a good thing. But the point that you bring up is a good one. So even if you're on mission, even if you know why you're going after what you're going after, that doesn't mean it's some utopia journey. doesn't mean it's just rainbows and sunshines every day. A lot of times it's when you're when you've left that comfort zone and you're no longer in status quo, all kinds of things are going to come up. The mind has a way of playing some very important tricks on you. It's the mind, that voice inside your head is always going to be the one to be dishing out those free passes, telling you, you don't got, you don't got to go so hard today. You don't got to leave the comfort zone today. Um, and the whole point of that whole process is to drive inaction. And so back to your question, I think that the one thing, the most important thing, in my opinion, to focus on is never let those feelings, whether it's the paralyzing feeling, whether it's the fear, whether it's the uncertainty, whether it's the overwhelm, never let it win. And it'll always win if you opt for inaction. Inaction's the killer to all growth. And there's going to be a lot of times where the action you're taking Look, you're not going to feel so great about it. You're you're going to be unsure. And I think it's just a massive shift in perspective and relationship from expecting everything to be perfect. I mean, we're all perfectionists to some degree. So we always want to make sure the sure thing is in place. We're making the right investment. Now's the right time. And I, my suggestion is don't look for that. There is no perfect move. There is no perfect action. Embrace imperfect action. And when you can start getting comfortable with every action that you're taking on that path from current state to ideal state, even with clarity, but with all those negative emotions that come up with growth, always show up and consistently take action and get very comfortable with understanding that some of the actions you're going to take are going to create into massive learning opportunities because it's imperfect. Almost everything we do is imperfect. Um... And so, yeah, I think just the, the the point of all that is just to say, never let inaction win because the second that inaction is the result of some of those emotions is the second that the growth stops. Um, and so keep getting comfortable taking imperfect action, learn and reflect from those actions, recalibrate and keep taking more effective imperfect action. Because it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the conversation. That is what continuous improvement is all about. It's never going to be a yellow brick road and lined with flowers and an easy street. It's going to be hard. It's going to feel uncertain. It's going to feel overwhelming. But keep taking those imperfect actions, get 1% better every single day, but never stop. And I think because when I see people kind of back off of their goal and take a pause or they're, they're taking a time out, and inaction is the result, you can just set your watch to it. They're, they're, they're going to get off track. And so just don't let inaction win is a long-winded way of saying, keep moving forward. You hit it on that one, man. Uh, like that's literally the answer I was looking for, but then you want up it because it's <laughs> imperfect action. Sometimes you can have too much clarity, right? And that can paralyze you, but you gave a great synopsis in how we can approach, hey, this is my goal. 
but I don't have to take a straight line then. Sometimes it's two right. steps back, one step forward, five steps back, two steps forward. But the way that you went about articulating imperfect action, I think that's an extremely important reminder because even in growing this podcast, even in becoming an attorney, anything that I've done, it's a big struggle. Like it's just one big, hey, I had this big audacious goal I'm trying to achieve, but there's all this that's in my way and I don't know how to get there. But like you said, one step at a time, one breath at a time, we can. Yeah. And it's not going to be perfect. In fact, it shouldn't be. And I really yeah. want to drive that home because if you end up getting paralyzed by this desire to be perfect, I've been there, I've tried to do that, and I realize, especially in writing online and sharing stories online, not everything is accepted. And accepting that not everything will be accepted is part of the growth as well. That's so right. going into the next phase of developing this mental fortitude, this, this mindset, this growth mindset, after we've developed the awareness, the clarity, and we've taken action, what do we do next? Yeah, I think the next one, and it's one that gets so often overlooked, and it's also one that gets discarded more when success continues to happen, and it's really having a robust ecosystem of thought partnerships around you. Um, you know, we it's very difficult for us to really have all the perspective that we need, um, you, you know, j just like you mentioned, along the path, there are going to be things that pop up. It's inevitable that the obstacles, the issues, the, you know, is, is kind of Mike Tyson said it best. You know, we all have a plan until we get punched in the mouth. And, you know, on that, on that journey from current state to ideal state, I hate to break it to anyone that, that thinks it's going to just be an up and to the right trajectory. Life is going to jump up sometimes and punch you in the mouth. Um, and I've just always been a big, big believer to have robust thought partnerships around you. Those, those people that don't tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what you need to hear. Those partnerships that can stretch your thinking, that can challenge your limiting beliefs, that can help you see problems and solutions from a completely different lens and perspective, um, I think I, I can't stress the importance of that enough. And what I see all too frequently is that as people start racking up achievements and racking up success, it's just the natural human tendency to start thinking, I've got this, I've got this all figured out. I, you know, I may even think that I'm the smartest person in a lot of the rooms that I'm in. Um, and when you start getting into that stage and you drift away from the growth mindset to a fixed mindset, from a, a learn it all to a know it all, it gets very, it gets very dangerous. You get blind spots that start to emerge. And so I can't stress enough that this fourth level of having an, a robust ecosystem of thought partnerships, think about that as your critical feedback loops that help giving you information, insight, and wisdom on how to keep improving. And those are the spotlights that don't allow blind spots to develop and slow you down or knock you off track. So effectively, you become who you surround yourself. That's right. So making sure you That's have right. awesome people in your corner that believe in what you're doing, that validate you, also call you out when things aren't going so smoothly and maybe have a high opinion of you, but also want to make sure that you're not going to veer too far down the wrong road. And also mm -hmm. being able to audit those friendships and relationships regularly to make sure there's no toxicity in your life. What are the most, and, and I'm just going to kind of put an asterisk on this. Yeah. My version of asterisk. I'm going to just, I'm thinking about this out loud now as we're talking. Yeah, yeah. And I think that an interesting take, because I'm big on inputs, I think that mm -hmm. an interesting take on thought partnerships 
could be, and this is in, this is a concept that uh, stems from Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, where he talks about having a mental board of advisors. And for him, he gives examples of, I think like Abraham Lincoln was on his and like a few other prominent American figures mm -hmm. throughout history that he consults in his head and advise him as to whether he's making a good or bad decision. So I yeah. think tangentially, a potential strategy, at least one that has worked for me, is that some of these mentors or thought partners may come in the form of an Instagram influencer, which you want to make sure is the right one, a YouTuber. I mean, when I was changing my body, we'll call it, I curated my entire Instagram feed accordingly. When mm -hmm. I reestablished a value on health in an effective way, in a methodical way, one with strategy, one of those strategies was about making sure that my inputs were individuals that were training the way I wanted to train, had aesthetic physiques I wanted to model my skill set and body after, only to realize like my body's going to look different. And then that's a whole other journey that we're going to talk about maybe on another podcast. <laughs> Effectively, I'm talking about thought partners going beyond the scope of just your inner circle and recognizing that maybe you can audit in a way that's like, all right, is this influencer necessary for me to follow? Is this autobiography important for me to read? Is this audio clip really enhancing my mental clarity and awareness and helping me step towards my goals? So I like the idea of thought partnerships. I never really framed it in that perspective before, but it really aligned with the notion of a mental board of advisors that I related to. So I just kind of want to, I veered off there, but. No, no, I, I, I think, I think everything you just said is spot on. And look, I, I, I'm a big fan of the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. You know, if I was, uh, I don't know, if I get elected president one day, I just, I think that should be almost mandatory reading material for just about any 20 year, 20 year old, you know, out there. Uh, I just, I wish someone would have created that book and put it in my hands when I was 20, you know, way back when, but, um, yeah, but the thing he says that I love is environment is the invisible hand that shapes behavior. And the point you made is that doesn't just have to be you looking around and what's in your physical space. I think that also applies to your mental space and having those mental board of advisors. And by the way, I do the exact same thing. You know, when I think about the standard of excellence I have for myself, these mental board of advisors are almost stakeholders and guardrails to my own personal standard of excellence. What would Bezos do? What would Buffett do? What would so-and-so do is absolutely so important. And as a matter of fact, one of the questions that I always ask clients is to take a pause, zoom out for a second, and I want you to think about your most trusted advisor or mentor, the person who you know unequivocally wants to see you have success. What advice do you think they would give you right now in this current situation? And it's just a great exercise to help anyone zoom out for a second, kind of get out of their own head, put themselves in the shoes of their advisor, see their own problem situation and obstacles from a completely different lens through someone else's experience. And it's a way for them to give themselves the guidance and advice and kind of the thought partnership that they need. So yeah, I think whatever flavor you choose or all flavors, I think is so important because it's, it's creating those feedback loops that get you out of your own head and put yourself in a position of a broader, maybe even greater uh, experience that can help you just broaden your own perspective. There's zero downside to any of one of those methods, but I think the concept is so important. Never think you have it all figured out because the second you do is when that up and to the right trajectory starts to plateau out and you start coming back down on the other side of the mountain. Um, yeah, just always stay in learning and growth mode. And I just think a robust system of of thought partnerships is incredible feedback loops to help ensure that that happens. Never be at the bottom of the ladder or at the top, always climbing up. That's right. So 
We've unpacked a lot beyond thought partnerships. Is there anything else that you think could help individuals? Yeah, it's the, it, it's, it's the last level and it, it's probably the most self-explanatory. So we don't have to spend so much time on it, but it's what sits in between. It is, it is that thing that when you lack it can lead to chronic underachievement. And when it's a strength for you, can take you to new heights. And that one thing is another big A. We started off on the foundation with um, awareness. We finished with an A, and that's accountability, right? And so you show me your accountability system, and I will show you back your probability of achieving what you want to achieve. And if we think that the only person that we need to be accountable to is just that voice in our head, or it's the the secret goal we have to ourselves, that that doesn't work. It's not how we're wired. It's not how, it's not, it's not a probable uh, tool to help us get from that current state to ideal state. So that last level is always making sure that you've got a third party accountability mechanism. Uh, whether that's a person, whether you're you're having the public uh, keep you accountable via social media, whatever it is, but accountability, I can't I can't stress enough. That's the glue that keeps this all together. Because if you nail steps one through four, but you have shitty accountability, it'll all fall apart. On the opposite side, if you struggle with execution on the first four, but you're ultra accountable and you've got a very strong system it can still be that force that pulls you to greater heights. And so, yeah, I just kind of think about that as that's what separates the underachievers from the extra achievers. Um, it's the ability to keep doing what you know you need to do, even when you least feel like it. What sits underneath all that is just a strong sense of accountability. Discipline. That's right. It's... One of my favorite topics. It's one of the most important yeah. topics. I think that accountability, and I'm glad that it's a this final level of finding that best version of yourself where ultimately that accountability is a reflection of how well you've achieved everything else. And I think something that we left out that I just want to bring up that's extremely important to me, and I think it goes to that foundational level is identifying your value where when you know what you stand for you can add value to anyone or anything and right. if you're not achieving something it could be because you don't know what your values are you want to earn a lot of money but you're spending money all the time well mm. maybe you don't have a value of generating wealth. maybe it's time you start and maybe it's time you start by saying hey i now have a value of wealth generation. So you're going to start saving more. You're going to start figuring out ways to earn more. You're going to find ways to add value to the marketplace and then find ways, you know, your addition, your contributions to the marketplace will be validated in the form of clientele, uh, inbounds, how effective your outbound inquiries go. So I find that values, and I'd love to get your take on it, are an extremely important element in this framework that you've outlined for us today. And I'd just love to hear your thoughts. Oh, I, 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 I mean, I just want to drop a big exclamation point on that because, yeah, I think, and you're exactly right. It certainly belongs in that awareness space of just, it's all the things that you know, but you need to get out in terms of a tangible piece of the puzzle that fits into the greater um, the greater journey you're trying to create. And so even kind of going back to that question of how am I defining success, if how you're defining success does not meet and match up with the values that you've identified in the awareness stage, I can promise you there's going to be some emptiness and Winning is not going to feel like winning when you're chasing the wrong things that are not aligned with, with, their, with your values. And I say this all the time. There's only one thing more painful than not achieving the goal that you want to achieve, and that's achieving the wrong goal. And so without having that awareness of 
your current state, the why, what, what, what are the things you want to enhance? Why do you want to enhance them? How does that align with your values? Then and only then can you be very dead on accurate with getting a meaningful definition of what happiness and what success looks like to where the whole journey is going to have a strong purpose and fulfillment because the why is so strong behind the pursuit of whatever it is that you're pursuing. Um, so yeah, couldn't agree more. Extremely, extremely important to have those, those boxes checked, so to speak. Where do you see personal development space going? There's a lot of retreats out there. There's a lot of coaches out there. It's almost like we're reaching the pinnacle or oversaturation of this entire space. So I guess I'm asking, like, is there this red pill enlightenment that we're achieving as a society because of everyone out there looking to reach that ultimate version of themselves? Where does all this head, man? Yeah, you know, I've thought a lot about that and I'm... I hope I, I hope I'm actually proven wrong on this, but what I'm actually predicting is not much change at all. And the reason for that is, yeah, there's a lot of great content out there. There's a lot of great information shared. There's a lot of people, you know, talking the talk, so to speak. But what's missing behind a vast majority of that is what we kind of talked about earlier is the taking action part. And even to this day, you know, when the first week of January rolls around, we're all excited about some new goal, about some new initiative, some, you know, new personal development, uh, you know, target that we have for the new year. But because of all the things that we mentioned, whether it's a goal setting structure or lack of accountability, lack of thought partners, uh, lack of discipline, there's still so little action behind some of the growth mindset thoughts that are out there. And that's the, that's the core reason why I named my firm Performance Mindset. Every room that I talk to, every presentation that I give, I, I play this game. It's kind of what I call the, uh, the 70-20-10 mindset rule, where in every room, every group, every team, this rule generally applies. Take the 20% and move them out. In any given room, about 20% of the people are going to be the quote-unquote old dogs who don't want to learn any new tricks. They're fixed mindset. They, they're completely content with status quo. You're not changing them no matter what. 70 to 80% of the hands go up when I ask who identifies with a growth mindset. These are all, they, they say all the right things. You go to their LinkedIn profiles. They post all the right things. But they're, but they're in just as much of a comfort zone as, as the other group. They're, they're okay with the status quo. Sure, they, they'll see some incremental growth in their careers, but they know deep down they're not playing their best game, operating at their full, their full potential, being their best version. And so for the vast majority, I still see little action backing up these, this new enlightenment of kind of a growth mindset and what you're capable of. And I still think the minority has what I refer to as a performance mindset. That is, they believe all the things that the growth mindset group believes, but they're sick and tired of sitting around not doing anything different. They're investing in themselves. They have the willingness and the desire to take action. They're stretching and challenging them, themselves, and they've become okay with being uncomfortable the majority of, uh, of the time. I still see that group being such a minority. I hope this new enlightenment and everybody being a coach and everybody talking about these things ends up driving more action. But I think that's always the thing that I look for. It's like, you can think all the things you want to. You can have all the beliefs. Show me your action. And that's when I'll, I'll know and can, can tell you whether you're actually going to achieve all those great aspirations you have. There is no substitute for action. Um, and so for me, that's where the rubber always meets the road. So yeah, I, I, I hope that a lot of this new 
this wave of enlightenment that that so many of us have around how to grow, how to develop, how to be the best version starts showing up in, into more action. But the fact of the matter is, as we sit here today, New Year's resolutions still see a 97% failure rate. You know, we're still, we're, we're still more obese than we ever have been before as a country. I mean, there's all these things like, I will always come back to beliefs are great, but they only take you so far. Show me your actions. And that's ultimately what's going to make the difference of you achieving what you want to achieve or sitting around and having a lot of great ideas with no execution behind it. I put you on the spot. That was not an easy question. I don't even know how I answered it. <laughs> you could have, you could have taken the wishy-washy approach, cliche approach, but you didn't. In fact, it's a wake-up call for society mm -hmm. in ways where it's like, you think you're going to change, but like, will you? And, yeah, you know, I think that the pain, you pointed it out, the pain has to be greater to the point where it's just unbearable. Where you're like, That's I right. don't like the way I behave. I don't like binge drinking. I don't enjoy it. I don't like eating late at night. I think I do, but I'm kind of hypnotized into these behaviors. I'm conditioned right. through all these external just influences that make me not stop looking at my phone, that make me not want to talk to the person that's right here next to me, that make me distracted, lack of presence. And for me, mm -hmm. as someone who struggled with learning disabilities growing up, I feel like had I, I even get the chills thinking about it, like, you wouldn't assume it now. I can say that confidently. You wouldn't assume that I come from a place where I couldn't read in a book and I was frustrated by just feeling like I didn't have words for my words. And now I'm at a place where it's like, you wouldn't guess I was that kid. Mm -hmm. But the pain was so great of just being frustrated by behaviors that socially I wanted to fit in or emotionally I felt I had to meet in order to make sense of the world where I finally leaned into the things that I wanted to do because I was fed up with decisions that I was making. And right. ultimately, for better or worse, there's a tipping point in most transformations People just are exhausted with their character and look for ways mm -hmm. to elevate themselves. But I would hope that I'm going to answer my own question. Where it's like, I would hope that we don't need to get to that place where the pain is so good. I would hope that there's enough resources and opportunities and individuals like yourself that are willing to put people in a position and educate them that not just through habits, not just through inputs, but through the point that we've been driving home this entire time through action and imperfect right. action and identifying your values and getting to a place where if you find the right podcast or if you hear the right sentiment or you meet the right person that proportionally to where they're at in their journey and you're at in yours can guide you to hopefully a whole new realm of opportunity where, hey, it's about elevating the people around you. And yeah. with action, you really drove it home. I think that's an awesome, awesome message, man. And, you know, as we round this thing out, I got a couple more questions for you. We're going to play a little game here. I'm going to off a couple words and let's just see what the first reflex that comes to mind. These words are going to, these words are going to come to me. I'm going to offer them to you and let's just see what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word perspective. <laughs> being able to see things that aren't naturally intuitive can you see things from different angles through different lenses from another person's perspective or, or shoes i think is is just really being able to see all angles of a given topic problem or solution growth continuous improvement Action. Don't wait. So the final question that I like to ask my guests is if the future version of yourself 
from 10 years from now is to fly in and offer you some advice to get to that ideal spot. What do you think he would say to you in order to get there? Yeah, I think my future self would say, don't be afraid to go big. And I think we, it's kind of taking the same, the same message that I kind of like to give out. It's kind of giving myself my, my own medicine. We all look for the, the tactical incremental steps. And, you know, sometimes you know that there are opportunities that maybe not go all in on, but you can't hold back from going big. That could be those monumental, pivotal, just catalysts that can take you to the next level. Don't wait until you just feel comfortable enough or have enough data. Um, yeah, there's just nothing wrong with going big for something that you're aligned on and that you you that you ultimately know is going to get you to the next level. All the reasons to wait and maybe do it next month or or three months from now, you'll never get that time back. So when you when you have that feeling and you know it's time to go big, follow that. And yes, there's fear there, but that fear is an unbelievable indicator pointing you to where the magic results are. They're just on the other side of fear. So instead of staying away from it, when you go to it, meet it head on. Uh, and when you do go big and embrace that fear, there's always magic that sits on the other side. So I'm, I'm confident that's what, uh, you know, the 10, the 10 year future me would come back and say, don't hesitate to go big. Aaron, where can everyone follow your journey and your content and your, your whole business? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm most active on, on LinkedIn. That's the, that's the best place to follow me, connect with me, engage with me. Um, website's going to be fully up and running here in another week and a half. And that'll be at, uh, www.performancemindsetcoaching.co. Um, so that I'll have more information there, but you know, I'm, I'm active on, on LinkedIn. I love engaging with other thought leaders, other smart people. You know, LinkedIn for me is that um, that room where I know I'm not the smartest person there. And it's just there's learning opportunities every single day. So just a great place to engage in thought leadership and figuring out how to take the right steps and that right action to achieve the best version of you. So, yeah, don't hesitate to, to reach out and connect. Aaron, I appreciate the time and thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Inside the Inspired. If there's a topic that you want me to talk about, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can follow me on Instagram at Inside the Inspired or on LinkedIn, Jonathan Z. Cohen. I'd love to hear from you. The show is growing. I see the audience picking up and fills me in levels in ways that I'm going to continue to express by bringing on top tier guests and people that I believe give you a bit of meaning, enlightenment, and wisdom that you wouldn't get otherwise. So that's all for this one. And until next time, stay safe, stay strong, stay mindful.